Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good morning to you. I'm Jason Kong, and the man who's the star of the show, Bill Alexander, is here. Good morning to you, Bill. Good morning, Jason. Uh, enjoying uh, just a, another fine July Saturday. It's been. Uh, it's just going by too fast. <laughs> yep. Get a lot of people getting down to the beach and oh, yeah. having some fun, this but. Is- we're uh, we're we're still here to protect some assets, right? Even Bill? though it's a little little warm and humid, it's my <laughs> it's my favorite time of year. I really enjoy this this time, and I try to take a few days off here and there as well. Well, you deserve it. You work hard, huh. and uh, we're going to get into something that uh, boy, it's just it's all over the news, and it's been that way. It seems like for. Uh, years. But we're going to get into uh, health care, and we're going to get into that from the angle of asset protection. Well, no no question about it. I mean, asset protection is um, important to all of us. And as we get older, it becomes more and more important, that's for sure. Uh, and that's what this show is all about. Uh, and part of asset protection is uh, how do you keep your money? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And uh, so... It's like this, uh, frankly. Uh, most of us try. We, we try simply to ignore what's going on in Washington. <laughs> um, you know, the politics uh, is just uh, absolutely. I mean, it, it just tears us up because it's it's so bad. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or an Independent or a Martian. Uh, <laughs> you know, what's going on in Washington is just heartbreaking uh, every day. And, you know, it's the kind of thing where you don't even want to look in the newspaper anymore. And I and it might surprise you, I'm not talking about what's going on at the White House, even though the White House is in the uh, you know, the news every day. What's really important to us uh, is what's going on uh, right now in the United States Senate in terms of the health care debate. Now, obviously, the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, depending on how you like to call it, um, was political fodder during the campaign. Um, And clearly, there are lots and lots of problems with the Affordable Care Act. I would be the first person to say there are lots of pieces to that legislation that I dislike horribly. Uh, And yes, I would really like to see it modified in a big way. But what the politicians are finding out at this point is that – it's not as bad as they thought it was because trying to change it, it is really hard. And for us, it's, you know, being thrown out of the frying pan into the fire. Now, the the key to this, quite frankly, with any kind of major policy change. And of course, the Affordable Care Act was a major policy change for all Americans. Um, There are always winners and losers when you have that kind of of change. And so everybody recognized before health care changed that health care was astronomically expensive and unaffordable and the inflation rate on um, uh, health care 
was ridiculously high. In other words, the real inflation rate was around 1% to 1.5%, which is historically low. But medical care inflation was 5 and 6% every year. And our premiums were going up and businesses were getting to the point where they couldn't even cover group health care anymore or they were reducing how much they were paying for it. I mean, the bottom line is we were all suffering because mm-hmm. health care has become so expensive, and we still are. Okay, so who were, the, who were the losers in the Affordable Care Act? Clearly it was young people. Why? Because young people, for the most part, are extremely healthy, and they don't need any aggressive insurance. The only exception to that rule are the young ladies who get married and and become pregnant? You know that's mm-hmm. you know that that certainly needed to be covered, and, and does. But uh, but the bottom line is, um, you know, back before the Affordable Care Act, a young man could get health care insurance for fifty dollars a month. You know now it's three or four hundred dollars a month, and a lot of folks don't have that kind of money, even though it's required. And so. You have the tax write-offs and or the credits and that sort of thing, which is really funky and uh, and doesn't work extremely well. And so, yes, the Affordable Care Act doesn't work very well, and I'll be the first to say it needs to change. But what's going to happen? Who's going to be the losers based on the health care plans going on in Washington? That's that's what folks really need to look at. Who are the losers? Well. It's real easy to determine. Uh, first of all, it's it's going to be seniors. It's going to be the losers in a big way will be anyone who's 45 years of age or older because those are the folks that will pay for the change. There'll be two, two big losers. There'll be a lot of folks who are no longer required to keep insurance, and the premiums are just so expensive, they just have to go uninsured. You know, they'd rather eat. <laughs> then pay for insurance. It's not going to do much for them to begin with. Right. I get that. Um, but the biggest losers financially are seniors because their your premiums, if you're over fifty, will double or triple from what they are right now, which is outrageously wow. high. And so, um, you know, even even <laughs> President Trump called the House plan heartless. And he, he said to the Senate, okay, guys, let's, let's put some heart back into this legislation. Well, the Senate plan is almost identical to the House plan. And they're having really difficulty changing it. And, and now what's going on in Washington, it's like, well, let's pass anything just so we can say we passed something. And that's jumping out of the frying pan into the fire. And that's... But what I'm really – the reason I'm ranting is because nobody's really listening to the public. I mean – and by the public, I'm, I'm, not, I'm talking about all of us because, yes, you know, the public opinion polls – and this is Republicans, Democrats, Independents – only about 20 percent of the public actually agrees with what – they're trying to do in the Senate right now. Well, that should tell you something. But if the resolve is just simply to do away with the Affordable Care Act, it's sort of like, okay, where does that leave us? And is it is it really? It's not going back. You know, you can't 
you know, basically pull the clock back 20 or 30 years or 50 years, wouldn't that be nice? But, <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is, is that then our premiums are just going to be outrageous. Now, this – and it really doesn't matter um, how you look at it. I mean, now for me, I mean, am I pleased with health care right now as it exists today? Heck no, not <laughs> at all. Do you know uh, when I went on Medicare because I'm 65 years old, and you know how much my, my health care you know, costs – because of Medicare, have gone up for my wife and me $8,000. My goodness. $8,000. So that's – and I'm not – and I'm covered less now than I was before I turned 65. So do you think I'm happy with Medicare? No. Considering there's steam coming off of your head right now, I'd say no. <laughs> well – the the bottom line, and and of course, um, the Affordable Care Act basically comes into play as well for seniors, as well in terms, and it does the Affordable Care Act does a lot of good things. You know, there were winners. Mm-hmm. You know, people who were uninsurable, people uh, special needs, uh, children, um, a, a lot of folks. Um, who could not afford insurance, uh, it became affordable to them. Now, folks like me, I'm supplementing uh, their coverage because I'm a healthy person. I get a physical every year, uh, and that's about it. So uh, it's the kind of thing where uh, that that's just going to be the way insurance works when we I mean, that's what insurance is all about, you know, is that you pay your premium to insure a significant risk, and some people are going to need it, and that insurance really comes through for them. Uh, And those of us who are healthy are basically supplementing the cost for those who are less uh, fortunate. And now, don't misunderstand I'm happy to be healthy. <laughs> you know, I'd much prefer to be healthy than not healthy. Uh, you know, that's that's the real blessing in life. But here's the here's the political fact. You know, Republicans, uh, and this is not uh, unique to Republicans. Republicans do not listen to Democrats up in Washington. Democrats do not listen to Republicans, and independents don't listen to anybody. I guess I don't, <laughs> you know I'm not sure what it is, but the but the bottom line is is if you're uh, you know over 45 and you don't call your senator and tell them don't vote for this legislation until you find something that's better than what you're looking at right now. I mean, I truly hope that the folks in Washington can find a solution that will solve or at least solve this, uh, this problem for us because uh, – but the, but the bottom line is all they're doing – right now is shifting the burden to seniors, shifting to middle-aged and older Americans. And quite frankly, there are a lot of middle-aged and older Americans who are on fixed incomes, mm-hmm. and, and and this solution is just going to end up meaning there would be more and more people who are uninsured. 
And here's the irony of it. The, the folks who work in healthcare, the hospitals, the doctor, they support the Affordable Care Act. They, in fact, they were, the Hospital Association here in North Carolina, they were really upset that the North Carolina legislature did not expand um, Medicaid for a lot of uninsured people in North Carolina. And, of course, the expansion would have cost us nothing. Uh, it, was, it would have been paid for by the taxes we already pay to the federal government. It just meant North Carolina would have gotten more money back from Washington than what we are. But the reason they didn't, didn't uh, support that was philosophical. And I guess I'm just too darn practical to say, okay, I'd rather have less money. I'd rather more money leave my pocket for f- philosophical reasons. Now, there's, there are times when you have to stand up to principle, but when it comes to public policy that is in Washington and receiving money or not receiving money, I think you can you know, basically shoot yourself in the foot uh, if, <laughs> if you play, play that way. And I apologize for ranting like this, but the truth is uh, I don't want my folks, and that's everybody who's 45-plus, to end up paying two or three times what they're paying today for their premiums. And most of us, you know, we'd rather stick our heads in the sand and not – you know, just assume that, you know, it'll work itself out. But I don't think it's true this time. I think that uh, those of us who are going to be negatively affected need to speak up. And particularly uh, the folks who are Republicans in the audience need to to uh, to basically call our, our senators, who are both Republicans, good people, um, But this is one where if they vote for this, they're just knifing us all in the back as far as I'm concerned. And that's that that upsets me. (laughs) You can tell. (laughs) I can tell. And I'm going to spend the break trying to calm Bill down and we'll uh, we'll be back in just a bit. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. I am Jason Kong, and we've gotten Bill. We've played some beach music for him to calm him <laughs> down, some waves, some soothing sounds to, to calm him down. No, that was uh, that was a very informative bit on uh, on healthcare, and I, I think you're right. I think it has potential to be uh, financially catastrophic if these some of these changes go through, and uh, and just people aren't kind of paying attention and i don't think the news is doing a good job the news media is doing a good job of covering just how uh how significant these changes could be well you know for unfortunately the news media uh or at least what gets played uh over and over in the news media has has more to do with box scores and it's mm-hmm. and, and, and as a t- as opposed to public policy in terms of the good the bad what will this change actually mean to us and it's it's one of the things that I don't you know the president doesn't like the media well I don't like the media either anymore because it really doesn't um, it, it you know box scores don't mean much to me as to who's ahead who's behind it really is is it good public policy does right. it make sense how much does it cost who is it going to benefit who is it going to hurt and why you don't 
get near as much of that as we got 20 years ago. And it's, it's uh, all we get is sound bites about who's ahead. And that's mm-hmm. the piece that I don't like. I really wish we had uh, better, more efficient reporting. And I I'm not down on the media. I think they have a really tough job uh, in terms of how they produce it. But, you know, we're getting a whole lot more entertainment now than we are true what what I consider to be news uh, and it's filtered in such a way that uh, in fact it's even filtered you know depending on whether you're uh, conservative liberal Democrat Republican independent you know they're all have a slant one way or the other and and so uh, it's it's unfortunate but that's what we have to live and we have to figure out what the slant is so we, <laughs> so we understand uh, where they're coming from. So um, it's just um, – that's just the world in which we live, and that we just have to deal with that for now. But, uh, you know, I want to uh, go to a much different topic. I've ranted long enough, but uh, for those folks who think that the government will take care of you Later in life, uh, if you give all your property away and you're poor, if you will, you're just plain wrong. There, uh, for most of us, there is no assistance. And the question is, where does the assistance come and when? Uh, and I'm not talking about whether or not you're, you have health insurance or not. The, the, actually, the biggest risk for seniors, by far, no question about it, <clears throat> is the risk of long-term care where now health your health insurance does not pay for long-term care well jason you're a young man what what do you think the risk is for a person my age 65 years of age what is the risk that i will have a significant long-term care crisis uh i would- in sometime during my life uh, I would say that uh, it's pretty high. Well, what do you consider high? Oh, boy. Uh, you want me to put a percentage on <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, put a percentage uh, on it. Let's say uh, in your lifetime? Yeah. Okay, uh, I'll say maybe 75%. Well, actually, that's not as far away as you think. I mean, basically all of us, if we are are healthy when we turn 65 um well i mean and the percentages are even worse but even if we're healthy when we turn 65 the risk that we will have a long-term care crisis that lasts on average three years mm-hmm. um or about three years 50 percent. 50 percent. now wow. if you look at a husband and wife together who turn 65 together the risk that one of the two will have a long-term care risk is about what you said, 75 to 80 percent. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and to the degree that married couples generally uh, think of their um, wealth together, uh, you know, you build your nest egg together, you have a your, – your percentage was right on, 75 to 80 percent risk. Now – uh, what do you think the risk is that your home will burn down to the ground with without any uh, – I mean, what do you think the risk is? Oh, boy. Uh, maybe something – 1%. Nope. Not even close to that. It's less than one-tenth of 1%. Wow. Okay. So 
Now, how much do you pay for your homeowner's insurance oh, uh, each year? That's a uh, you know, couple hundred bucks a year. Uh, oh, you, you just don't know your finances. Your, <laughs> your wife pays your bills. <laughs> you're, you're telling my secrets, Bill. <laughs> you're, you know, for most folks, your homeowner's insurance each year is going to run somewhere close to $1,000 to $2,000, depending on how large your house is and stuff like that, Okay. So um, the bottom line is, yes, I know that your wife pays your bills now. Uh, <laughs> and um, so the, the, uh, my wife pays mine too. So okay, we're, well, we're good. Okay. We're on the same page. <laughs> so, anyway, um, uh, but, but the point is this. You're paying a good bit of money each year for that insurance, but the real risk of your losing your house to a catastrophe. Now, I'm not talking about a, a small house fire that maybe, uh, you know, destroys an appliance, uh, you know, uh, burns a wall, some curtains and stuff like that. You know, the repair to that might be five or $10,000. Okay. What I'm really talking about is your home burning to the ground, everything in it, it's a total loss. And obviously, for most folks, that total loss would be somewhere $150,000 to $400,000. Now, if you had a loss like that and you had no insurance coverage whatsoever, that is equivalent to a long-term care crisis, mm. okay? Because most folks who have a long-term care crisis, that's the range of what it costs them out of pocket. Now, that's incredible. Now, you have to understand that your health insurance does not cover long-term care expenses, nor does Medicare cover long-term care expenses. It's not covered. Okay. <laughs> so... The bottom line. Now, there is a small exception to the rule. In other words, Medicare or your health insurance will cover a small, a few days of rehab, you know, uh, and depending on whether you have uh, traditional Medicare or a Medicare Advantage plan, it covers it a little bit differently in terms of, of whether it covers 100% for 20 days or whether there's a copay from the very beginning. And so, but copays, uh, once you're on copays, even on Medicare, you're lo you're looking at about forty five hundred dollars or more between forty five hundred and five thousand dollars per month. Mm -hmm. So if you were in rehab with copays for thirty days, that's more expensive than most people, you know, are prepared for because it would be close to five thousand dollars. So uh, now. When, I'm, when I say long-term care, what I mean is where it can be on the low end where you need some assistance. In other words, somebody might need to help you with your medication or help you with some mobility issues or help you, uh, you know, with your shower or getting dressed. Um, you know, people want to do for themselves uh, but the bottom line is, as we get older, our bodies don't function as well. Uh, and uh, as we get older, we need assistance. Now, sometimes these things can happen to us young, 50s, 60s, early 70s. For most people, it comes late 70s and 80s or 90s. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that if you live long enough, the chances are you're going to have uh, uh, where you need help. And 
Um, so what's the program? The program that I want to talk about is the one that's the most confusing to everybody, um, and it's called Special Assistance. Uh, and it's a program that is designed specifically to help people who need assisted living. Now, what that means is I'm not talking about home care. I'm talking about where you go to a facility called an assisted living facility. That is not nursing care. You know, one of the first things that folks have to understand is there's a difference in care uh, in terms of how it's licensed, how it's provided, uh, and what programs there are to assist people who don't have enough um, money to pay for it. Um, and so the special assistance program is the one that is a North Carolina program, and it's specifically for those folks who need assisted living. Now, why is this important? It's important because most folks who need assistance need assisted living. If they can't stay at home, then assisted living is where most people are taken care of, not nursing homes. Okay. <laughs> So there are a percentage that end up in nursing homes, but the great percentage end up in assisted living. And so is the question is, is there assistance for you if you have no money? Okay. And the answer is, might surprise you, for most of us, the answer is no. <laughs> There's a huge safety net where the basically the government turns its back on us as we're older and if, if our family doesn't take care of us we are in huge huge trouble so I know we have to take breaks but when we come back I want to talk about who might be able to get special assistance and how it works and why everyone's confused about it we'll do just that you're <laughs> listening to asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander on news radio 680 WPTF News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. You can find more about him at WGALaw.com. You can also find him tomorrow morning on the CW22 at 8 a.m. with his TV show, Money Secrets. And Bill, this is a, another fine program for people to get informed about uh, ways that they can manage their money and assets. Well, I, I appreciate you telling folks about it. I enjoy that program as well. And um, it, it's the kind of thing where I think we there are some nuggets of, of uh, good information on our show, and I would encourage folks to watch it. Uh, and for those who, um, you know, can't watch it directly uh, because they're getting ready for church, then that's, um, you know, they can always record it. That's and right. we would certainly encourage that. You can watch it at your convenience. Well, Bill, we're going to uh, get back to the uh, the special assistance program. And, you know, it was kind of a bleak outlook that you gave us for those who need assisted living who can't quite afford it. But uh, let's go dive into who well, can. Uh, okay. Well, here, here's the thing. All right. Special assistance uh, is a program that is primarily for lower income folks. But that income cap is so low that m most people cannot qualify for it. Okay, now here's, uh, now, here's the thing. Let's say that you're a senior and uh, you are collecting Social Security, uh, and, and that's your only income, and that's what you're living off of. And there are a lot of folks who are in that boat. 
Um, okay, here's, here's the problem as it relates to the special assistance program. It's, they have a very low, what's called an income cap. In other words, you have to meet their income test, and your monthly income must be lower than the cap. Now, just to confuse you a little more, there are two caps. One cap is for regular assisted living, and the higher cap is for memory care assisted living or, you know, a lockdown unit. Uh, which, you know, it's called different things. It, it's memory care, dementia care, special care, but basically it's a double lockdown unit. So what are those caps? Well, the, the cap for regular assisted living, which is the, the level of care that most people will need, okay, is, give or take a few dollars, about $1,270 of gross income. Okay, so now what does that mean? If you are a normal senior with fairly low income, you have a deduction for Medicare out of your Social Security check of $120 per month. Okay, so what you receive has already been reduced by at least $120 a month. Okay, so if you have a Social Security check for let's just say $1,175 and you add $120 to it, you will be what? $1,295 of gross income, right? Right. Guess what? That's over the cap. Right. (laughs) So if you're one penny over the cap, you do not qualify. All right. So what does that mean for Uh, folks who think they can give everything away and the government will take care of them. Well, first of all, is that if you don't need assisted living, you're out of the picture anyway. Uh, If you need assisted living and your Social Security income is over the cap, it doesn't matter if you have no assets, no nest egg, no home, um, it You've never given a nickel away, uh, but you've never acquired anything. You're just poor, mm-hmm. okay? But if your Social Security check is too high, and is do you think $1,200 of Social Security is high? No. Well, no. most – I mean, that would, be per, that would be a struggle for a lot of folks oh, yeah. to live on. So the point I'm really making is, is that this is a very low income cap, and it basically means that if you're, if you're over that cap, there is no – government financial assistance for you. Now, here's the other rub, okay? Let's say that your Social Security check is $1,200 a month, all right? Do you think that there is one facility or community for assisted living in North Carolina that will accept $1,200 a month to take care of you? Maybe for a day or two. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the problem. And so the bottom line is is that if you're over the cap and you need assisted living and you don't have anything else to fall back on, you're in trouble. Yeah. Because it's at that point, it's a family problem. But you know what? The, our world has changed a whole lot, and there are an awful lot of folks that have no family that will come to their aid. Um or no family, period. 
and so it it is a huge issue um, and one that that where good planning helps a whole, an awful lot and of course the earlier you start planning the better clearly mm-hmm. But people need to understand whether they potentially can receive assistance or they know that they cannot receive assistance. Knowing, knowing that is really important. Now, I said there were two caps, and there is a second cap for memory care, and, and that's, the, the, you know, <laughs> I, I, no one should have to suffer uh, dementia. Uh, I mean, because that is not only just horribly scary for the patient, but it's awful for the entire family. It's just one of the worst things that can happen to any family in terms of what it does. But the bottom line is, okay, the cap is a little higher, so you can add about $300 to the cap, but 15 uh, I, you know, it's, I can't remember, I'm going to be off by a few dollars, but it's in the neighborhood of $1,540 per month uh, cap for memory care, okay? Now, um, the, now here's, here's the safety net issue. How much do you think memory care runs if you don't, if you're not on special assistance. Yeah, I, I, it's got to be astronomical. Well, about the lowest I have seen um, in this area anyway is in the neighborhood of about $4,500. But it's much more common that the cost is fifty-five to sixty-five to $7,500 wow. per month yeah. for care. So obviously for most people, that is going to deplete your nest egg pretty darn quick yes okay so in essence there's a huge hole in the safety network and of course the the other thing that a lot of folks don't realize is that in areas like this you know metropolitan areas like raleigh there are very few facilities that will even accept special assistance most of them say well we only take private pay patients you know so if you can't afford us go away there are a few few facilities in this area that do take special assistance, and we commend them because they are the life lifesavers for so many many families. Um, but the bottom line is is that you know it's it's hard um, for for folks to understand these. And now, <clears throat> when we come back, and I know we have to take a break, I want to explain why so many people are confused about special assistance. We will do just that. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander here on News Radio 680 WPTF. I'm Jason Kong and Bill. We're talking about the special assistance program and sort of gone into detail about what that is and who qualifies for it. But uh, you were going to tell us why this program is so darn confusing. Well, there's a good reason. Um, most people have never heard of the special assistance program, and there's a reason why they haven't heard of it. You know why? I'm guessing because that's intended. <laughs> well, it might be, but the, the fact of the matter is nobody calls it the special assistance program. Even the folks who run it don't call it the special assistance program. They call it Medicaid. Now, why would you think that would confuse people? Because <laughs> there's a big program called Medicaid. Yeah. And, and in fact, the rules for Medicaid are completely different than the rules for special assistance. Okay. 
And you also and Medicaid's a big program. It's got a lot of different pots of money for different things with different rules. Um, but the but the big Medicaid uh, uh, program for seniors um, is the program for nursing facility care. Okay. So uh, and and but the rules for Medicaid for nursing facility care. Those rules are completely different, very different from the rules to be eligible for, for assisted living special assistance care. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, the, so number one, a lot of folks confuse or don't understand the difference between a nursing home and an assisted living community or home. Okay. That's, that's a big confusion because um, they don't understand the difference. Now, it's really important to understand the difference. Do you, do you know who makes the decision as to where you go, whether it goes to the assisted living facility or the nursing home? Who makes that decision? Uh, would that be your physician? Exactly. Very yeah. good. See, you've learned something. There here. we go. Uh, you know, I guess stick around here and you know, you'll <laughs> learn something. But, yeah, it's the physician who writes the admission ticket to whether you need assisted living or nursing care. So the doctor makes that determination. The, the facility also comes in and makes their own de- the determination as to whether you're a good candidate to go to their community. But the, the bottom line is is that um, a, a lot of you know a lot of the facilities don't say necessarily, uh, nursing home, you know, it might say health and rehab or something along those lines. And there's, or it might be a nursing home, but they also have assisted living rooms in the facility as well. So there's a lot of, you know, cross pollination and, and it can be very, very confusing. But if you're, if you're in a nursing home bed and you need government assistance, you're going to apply for Medicaid. And if you're in the assisted living facility, the assisted living, uh, and you're in a special assistance bed, they call it a Medicaid bed, then um, then you have to apply for the assistance, uh, special assistance program. Now, here's the other reason why it's confusing. Do you know what the application looks like when you apply for special assistance? I have no idea what it looks like. It's the Medicaid application. Oh, boy. <laughs> and you know where you make the application to? Medicaid office? Exactly. <laughs> the, the <laughs> um, and so you think folks might get confused about it. Uh, but it, it, the, the, the determination as to which rules apply is a matter of whether or not you're in nursing care in a Medicaid bed or in assisted living in a special assistance bed. So, you know, and, and, and the truth is, if you go to an assisted living facility and you say uh, to the folks, um, you, you know, we're going to run out of money in six months to a year. Can you give us some, quote, Medicaid? They'll talk about, well, we can assign a Medicaid bed to you, but they're really not talking about a Medicaid bed. They, if You're never talking Medicaid at the assisted living level. You're talking special assistance. So, and, you know, the difference is the Medicaid income test, there is an income test for Medicaid, but it's virtually non-existent because the income test for Medicaid for nursing facility care is your monthly income. And, I, and we're only talking about the income of the patient, not the spouse's incomes, because that scares a lot of folks. It's the patient's income. Is the patient's income less than the cost of care in a nursing home? 
Well, most nursing homes cost in the neighborhood of $7,000 or more per month. There are a few that are less than seven, but most are seven and up. And there's even some that are in $8,000, a month already for care. And so uh, that's pretty scary. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it really, um, it, it really is extremely important in terms of understanding that the the rules are going to be very different. But so you have these very high income caps for Medicaid and very low income caps for assisted living. And so for a lot of families, the only way they can actually get financial assistance is for the doctor to determine that they need um, nursing care and and they move from assisted living over to nursing care where they can um, get Medicaid. Because uh, truthfully, it, it's for a lot of family, it's far easier for us to get a person on Medicaid uh, than it is special assistance. Now, when I have a spouse, in other words, so who is it that generally can receive special assistance? Okay, that's a good question. Well, generally it's someone who has not contributed a whole lot to the Social Security system during their working years. Mm -hmm. So it would be housewives, you know, now they're house husbands too. I'm not trying to be you know, politically incorrect. There you go. But generally it's going to be housewives. People who worked at uh, home taking care of the kids, uh, you know, the traditional American Ozzie and Harriet family, you know, where uh, mom stayed at home taking care of the kids. Uh, now there'll be some young people out there who says, who's Ozzie and Harriet? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else will know. So uh, anyway, um, those folks, uh, you know, a lot of farming, you know, farmers sometimes have never um, uh, made enough money uh, that's reportable, if you will, to, to – uh, so their income oftentimes low. So a lot of cash businesses, folks who haven't uh, made a lot of income over time that's reported, that sort of thing. So um, the, those folks who have low Social Security checks. Now, the, the fact that – the, let's say the spouse, let's say the husband, uh, has high income and the the wife has low income. Well, the wife can actually uh, apply and receive special assistance anyway. So that you know, and I, I if I have a spouse, I can generally get the other spouse on special assistance if their income is low. But the income cap is what keeps the great majority of people from ever receiving special assistance. Good, good to know. And you can find more information or get some help if you're interested in navigating this at WGALaw.com. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. And Bill, I feel like you've done a lot of good today. You've uh, you've set the record straight on health care. <laughs> you've, uh, you've helped me figure out the difference between special assistance and Medicaid. I, I think you did a good job today. Well, I'll tell you, for those folks, who I've piqued their interest. Uh, th- these are topics uh, that we, the special assistance Medicaid issue is something we talk about every time in our monthly seminars. And so anyone with long-term care issues really should come to the seminar and learn about how these programs work. That's, that's what the seminars are all about. 
Yep, and the next one is August the 9th, but we'll talk about that plenty here. Just be sure to join us every Saturday morning at 11 for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for listening. Stick around. You're listening to News Radio 680 WPTF.